Now, any other Sunday, I would not preach right now. I would just, I would just go, I would, we would just keep going and worship. But you need to hear this story. And so we're going to get into the words. So go ahead and make your way towards your seat. And uh, thank you, worship team. Uh, man, great job. Can you guys give it up for the worship team? And uh, good job, guys. And I just want to point this out. My friend Derek Barrows did an absolutely amazing job, didn't he? I I saw some things that he's done before, and I told him a long time ago, I was like, man, you are mad gifted. And I just couldn't wait to figure out a way to use that gift in service. And uh, I I think, I hope that we see more of him getting to do things like this in the future. Amen? Amen. Man, great job, Derek. So today, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, I am so glad that you were all here. Are you hot? You doing okay? Do you need some? You need a drink? What do you need? We good? We got peanuts back there. You need some of that? I'm just kidding. I don't know why I said peanuts. Those ground in the carpet. Not good. So I'm Pastor Terry, lead pastor here, and it's my honor to to share the story, above all other stories, the greatest story ever told, and that is the story of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now. If you look in the scriptures, and, and we're going to share a lot of scripture today, this is about a, a sacrifice that was given for all of us. And the crazy thing is, is everybody kind of had this idea of how it would go. And the problem is, 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 is that when you think you know how God's going to do something, you learn very quickly, you have no idea how God is going to do something. Amen? And we're going to talk in greater detail about that in a second. I know that there are... Uh, so only so many ways that you could take a, a resurrection Sunday message, right? There's only so many different directions you can go with it. Uh, you need to talk about Jesus, and you need to talk about his 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 death and his resurrection and what that means for us. And so there's only so many different ways that you can do that. But the great news is is that this story is so powerful and so compelling, it doesn't need reinvented. It just needs retold. Amen. And so that's what we're going to do today. And so the title of my message and the theme for this whole entire thing is Raised to Life. And, and we're just going to talk about the greatest story ever told. Now, here's what I want you to understand is right away, we're going to start with the first point. And, and, and here's the thing. When Jesus came and he was going to do what he was going to do, the thing is, is that everyone had an idea of who Jesus should be in their life. Right? Do you agree with that? If you look through scripture from, from, from beginning to end, the innkeeper thought that he was just another peasant or, or middle-class citizen who should be born in a barn, right? You follow me so far? If you look at the moment he was in the temple, we'll talk about it later, as a child, the chief priest saw him as probably somebody who should be seen and not heard. You remember those days when teenagers were seen and not heard? Are you glad that we've outgrown that? I'm glad, glad that we've outgrown that. You're welcome, whoever said that. Uh, To Satan, he should be the one to take the deal. And what I mean by that is if you look in Scripture, there's a moment where Satan is tempting Jesus before he begins his earthly ministry. Matthew 4, 9, and 10, it says this. Satan takes him to the highest part of of the world and and, and the highest part of the temple and and he sees everything. And he says, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written... You shall worship the Lord your God, and only him shall you serve. 
to his mom, Jesus was the one that she loved from the minute that she had him. But more than that, to his mom, Jesus was also the one who should probably help a wedding with their catering issues, right? That's the water to wine. You know what I mean? That was a catering issue. Nobody knows that. Nobody calls the caterer to the carpet on that. That's, that's, that's a blunder on them. If you're a caterer, right? You, you know, you, right? Torrance, you've catered. That's an that's a error on the caterer's part, isn't it? So what, what else? What else? If you look at, oh, if you look at Mark chapter 5, there's a bunch of people. The whole chapter is people who say that Jesus should be one thing or another. To the man who was demon-possessed, he should be the one who, who delivers him from that. To the guy who had the little girl who, <clears throat> who was at home dying, he was the one who needed to heal his daughter. To the woman, while Jesus was on the way to heal that little girl, who had an issue of flow of blood for 12 years and could never get it fixed, she was the one whose garment he needed to touch. She was, he was her healer. If you look in the scripture, if you look at Mary and Martha, he was the one that should have been there. And later, the one who healed their brother. More than healed, raised him from the dead. To the crowd, at one point in time, he should be crowned king. In fact, it says in, in Matthew chapter 27, it says this. Uh, I'm sorry, not Matthew chapter 27, verse six, verse 15, chapter 6, verse 15. Therefore, when Jesus was perceived, was, had perceived that they were come to him and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. So there was a whole crowd of people that saw who he was and what he was doing, and they said, well, this is our king. And I'll tell you even greater detail what that means later. To a bunch of the crowd just a few days, you know, a, a, few, a few months later, he's the one who should be killed. Pilate, the governor, is standing there asking, what should he do with Jesus? And they all said, let, what should I do with, the, with Jesus, who is the Christ? And they said to him, let him be crucified, the entire crowd. They all had this idea in their mind of who Jesus should be, right? And I want you to understand something, is that no matter who you are, what background you come from, at some point in time, you have an idea in your mind of who Jesus, Jesus should be in your life. Agreed? And maybe you're going through something, and he should be the one that's helping you through that. Maybe your family member, need, member needs healed, and he should be the one that helps. Maybe you're struggling financially, and he should be your provider. Whatever the case may be, Everybody has an idea of who he should be. Agreed? Do you guys, I know it's Easter and you're not supposed to step on anybody's toes, but I wonder if I could real quick. Is that okay if I do? Okay, because I was going to do it anyway. Here's a truth that we don't want to hear, but from the, the, the greatest believer to the, to, the, to the newcomer to Christ, I think we've all lived here at some point in time or another. Many of us believe that Jesus is nothing more than an extra in the motion picture of our life. I mean, you think about it. That's what the, all the people in these stories, they were living their life, Truman Show style. Anybody remember the, the movie Truman Show? Right? Every, Truman was the guy. Every camera was pointed at him. He was the one. And yet, everybody else, their job was to play into their life. I feel like so often... We feel that that's how it's supposed to be for us. I'll say it. I felt like, I felt like that before, that you guys are, ex, not you guys, but you know what I mean, as a kid, not, I'm more mature now, you know, I got a better grasp on it now. 
Do you know when I, you know, do you know when I'm never, I'm never more frustrated with the extras, the movie extras in my life is when I'm in a hurry and I'm driving. <laughs> yesterday, yesterday we had, oh, we had to be somewhere and there was this car, 30 and a 50. I don't think you heard what I said to you. I don't think you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth right now. 30 in a 50. Now, look, I just had my 23rd birthday in Jesus. So April 4th in 1999 was the day I gave my life to the Lord. 23 years of serving him. 23 years. Longer have I been serving him than not serving him now. And I about lost it. Smoke coming out of my ears, and I'm like, I'm like telling myself a story like maybe they got a broken ankle and it's just really hard for them to put. I'm like trying to come up with something to make me not want to pull up beside them, actually get out of the car and run beside them and say, hey, can you speed it up a little bit? We're trying to get to dinner. The movie extra in my life is not cooperating. Somebody check the script and figure out why we are going 30 and a 50 that we could easily be going 60 in. I mean, not me, because, you know, as a man of God, you don't break that rule. <laughs> so the takeaway so far is the pastor speeds and he's angry with people when they, when they, when they don't. That's the takeaway today. Okay. But so often we look at Jesus and we think he should be serving the purpose that we think he'd be, he should be serving. Truman Show style that everything else revolves around us. And Jesus is just the most powerful extra in the movie. Not you guys, other churches, other people, other, other places, not you guys. The truth is, you probably walked in today thinking Jesus should be something in your life. And you're frustrated that he's not that. The problem is, is that no matter what we think, God does not operate by the most well-crafted script that we can come up with. He just doesn't. The great thing is this, and, I, and you're going to see some commotion in a second. And, uh, and, and that's simply the people that are getting baptized are about to walk out. So if you want to go ahead and make your way, go ahead. If you're getting baptized, you can go get ready to go and get changed. Here's the great news is that Jesus knew exactly who he was and what he was supposed to do. Thank God that though you've seen people leave a room before, I'm up here. Come on. You're like, look at that. That guy's got a bag and he's walking. Well, I've never seen that before. What are you doing? Well, look at that. Is that a gucky bag? I think that's a gucky bag. <laughs> gucky is the one that you get in New York City that's not real Gucci. And it lasts for like 15 minutes or until it gets wet. That's a gucky bag. You don't laugh at me. You know you've bought one too. All right. The great news, Prada, yeah, same thing, Prada, Prada that's, that's actually made in Texas. Prada, get you a Prada bag. Yeah, they're real good. Oh, gosh, we have derailed. 
Let's move it along here, people. All right. If this is your first time with us, if you're thinking to yourself, this can't be how they really are, this is who we really are. It is what it is. Because here's the deal, and I'll get back to the story in a second. We have the best story ever told. Church shouldn't be a place where you're sad and upset. We get to proclaim that there's this person named Jesus that died for us and rose again from the grave. And so I'm excited about that. And so it just, I don't know. So here we go. Back at it. Jesus knew exactly who he was and what he was supposed to do. Thank God he knew the mission. And thank God he understood it. From a young boy, he understood it. In fact, in fact, there's a moment where, where, um, where his mom is pregnant with him. And, and he was already ready to go because by the time that he, he made it, his mom took him to, because like when you're pregnant, you take them everywhere, right? So mom, mom goes to visit her cousin while, while they're both pregnant. The other baby, John the Baptist, and at that point in time, he was just John, he jumps in the womb. And so he already had a mission long before that moment. And you look in the scripture and you see that he's lost. And, and mom and dad, he's, a, he's, a, he's a, a tween now. And how many of you know tweens are good at not being where they're supposed to be? He's in the temple. Now you got to understand something. That's not like a five-minute thing. Like they were on their way back to the crib, like donkeys in tow. And they're like, where's baby Jesus? Where's young Jesus at? And he was, in the, he was, he was there. And he was in the temple and he was talking with them. And it said, and when they came and they said, Jesus, what are you doing? He said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? That's in Luke chapter 2, verse 49. He grows, he becomes an adult and begins to share uh, with everything, with everybody what's going to happen. He actually says to his disciples, he says this in Luke 19, 10, for the son of man has come to seek and save that which is lost. That's great news for us. And maybe you walked in here today feeling a little lost. The good news is you don't have to leave that way. Amen. Amen. He began to explain to everybody how it would happen. I, what cracks me up is all these disciples, man, they acted like they had no clue what was going on. Jesus literally told them. It's how we knew the disciples were men because... They were told them over and over and over again, and they still didn't catch it. If you're a husband, you get it. Like, I would like to not say that, but I'm a husband, and it's true about me. I can't tell you how many times I've been like, honey, you should check this out. And she's like, I told you about that three times six months ago. I'm like, I don't even argue it anymore. So Jesus is telling his disciples over and over and over again, and, it, and he began to show his disciples, it says this, he must, that he must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, be killed, and be raised on the third day. And they were all surprised that it actually happened. They're like, well, they just killed Jesus. I can't believe they did that. No, he told you it was going to happen. Listen up. So Jesus knew from that moment, he, would, he was telling them, he was telling them over and over and over again, this is how it's going to happen. He tells them it's going to happen. He rides into Jerusalem for the last time, rides on a donkey. We, we talked about this just a couple weeks ago, just last week, actually. We talked about on Palm Sunday how he rode into town, and people thought he was coming to take 
over. They thought he was going to become king and overthrow the Roman government and overthrow the scribes and the Pharisees and all the people who'd been persecuting them. That's what they thought was going to happen. And Jesus said, no, I'm not coming to do that. I'm coming to die. He tells them it's going to happen. He shows up in town. He goes into the temple, overturns the tables. Then he begins to do miracles. And then he says, well, let's meet for our final Passover meal. Judas looks for an opportunity to betray him. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night that he's betrayed, Judas and a bunch of soldiers show up and they grab Jesus. And you know what happens from there. They take him, they beat him mercilessly, mercilessly beat him. It says that he took stripes on his back, that he had a crown of thorns on his head. Can you imagine the pain? It says he was beaten with rods, he was whipped. They plucked his beard out. That doesn't sound good. He went before Pontius Pilate. He went before, he went before all the people who wanted to try him. They found him guilty. And they sent him to the cross. On the cross, he is surrounded by two different thieves. One of which mocks him. The other says, please remember me. And then he died. And for many, it feels like it's over at that point in time. Can you imagine the hopelessness? Can you imagine the despair? Even though Jesus told his disciples, hey, I'm going, I'm going to die, but don't worry. On the third day, I'll be back. Can you still imagine the hopelessness and the despair that they felt when the one that they've given everything for for the past three years is just gone. Can you imagine how painful Friday was? How hopeless Saturday was? And how surprising to them Sunday morning was? Amen? They, would hope, they were hoping that he would come, and their idea of who Jesus was going to be was he was going to be a king that ruled like the lion of the jungle the king of the jungle. God bless you, man. God bless you. That he would come and reign and rule and nobody would ever hurt them again. That was their hope. That was their plan. And when he died, all of their hopes, all of their dreams, all the other people who would hope that one day he would heal them, all the people that hope that one day he would provide for them, all the other people that hope that one day he would do this or that, all their dreams died with him as well. There was no hope for a savior. There was no hope for a Messiah. There was no hope for a healer. There was no hope for anything. All there was was darkness. They take him down from the cross. They bury him in a tomb. And they're all gathered together there to mourn. Can you imagine there's nowhere to go? You've been rolling with Jesus for the past three years. Where are you going to go now? Peter even said, when Jesus said, everybody else is bailing on me, are you going to bail too? And Peter said, where would we go, Jesus? There's no one but you, and you're the only one who has words for life. Where else would we go? 
There's nowhere else to go. Thankfully, that's not the end of the story. It's merely just the end of the beginning. Aren't you glad? Because number three is the, is the point that we all need to hear over and over and over again, and that is Jesus was raised to life. Hallelujah. 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 He raised from the dead. He went into hell. He took the keys and defeated the enemy once and for all. It didn't look like anybody thought it would look like. Nobody thought it would be that way, but that's how he did it. And you look at Matthew as they, as they are, are coming to see his body at the tomb. She runs into an angel and he says, you're looking for Jesus. He's not here for he is risen. Come and see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell disciple, his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly. I think that's probably an understatement. They went quickly. They made their way back to tell everybody. They were on a dead sprint like a fat kid chasing an ice cream truck. How do I know? Because I've seen an ice cream truck. So they ran quickly. I just feel like it was a little quicker than quickly, you know? They ran with everything they had because they had been running with everything they had. And they ran to bring the disciples a word. Jesus is risen. And that changes everything. This means he's defeated sin and death and the grave. And when he was raised to life, so was our hope for an all-sufficient Savior. Did you hear that? How cool is that? When he was raised to life, so was our hope and their hope for an all-sufficient Savior. Our hope of having sin forgiven. I don't know about you, but I made some mistakes in my life. Plenty of mistakes in my life. I made them early and I made them often. And I was so grateful to know that there was a Savior who loved me even when I was unlovable. Everything that everyone had hoped for pales into comparison to who he really is. So they just wanted him to heal their daughter. They just wanted him to turn some water into wine. They just wanted him to cast a demon out. Or they just wanted him to heal her flow of blood that she's had for as long as she's had it. What they didn't really realize is they were getting an all-sufficient Savior who was going to give them eternity. An eternity. An eternity. A new home. A heaven that they could be at where there's no more pain and there's no more suffering and there's no more hurt and that he will wipe every tear from your eye. And thus we will be with the Lord forever. That's something to be excited about. And so not only did Jesus say, I'm not going to do it the way that you think I'm going to do it. I'm not going to be an extra in your movie. I'm going to completely rewrite the script in such a way that it blows your mind. And you were just hoping that I would do this. But what you're really going to get is everything you never knew you always wanted. Amen. Here's the good news, friends. Since Jesus was raised to life, we now get to be raised to life as well. It says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, 
believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Nothing's ever that simple, right? There's always fine lines, right? There's always, there's always fine, fine writing, fine print. That's the word that I've been circling around for the last minute. There's always the fine print, right? There's always, there's always more to the story than you knew, and it's never favorable, right? How many of you guys have ever felt sucker to, to thinking that you won money at a, at a car lot before, and it was really only $5, and now they have your info forever, right? Been there. There's always the fine print. There's always the fine print. But with Jesus, there is no fine print. He said, I'm going to do this. And all you have to do is confess and believe and let me be who I am in your life. It's a confession I made on Easter Sunday, 1999. Guys, I'm going to tell you this. Of all the holidays, this is my favorite one. Because this was the day that God revolutionized my life. And I know that some of you have probably heard my testimony. I'm sorry if I repeat it. Just pretend like it's new, okay? But some of you have never heard it. And so it was April 4th, 1999. And I walked into a church absolutely broken. I had just left Muskingum University where I was playing football after making it there one semester. I got to play one year of football. I blew out my shoulder. I was broke. And I was drinking way too much. And as it would be no surprise to anybody who really knows me, I was slunking math. (laughs) Because you should never let me do math. In fact, now when we help our children with school, my wife's got math and science because I shouldn't have to do that one either. You don't want that. And I got the other stuff. And And I walked away from it. I was broken long before that. My first time... Getting sloppy, throw up, drunk was 11 years old. 11 years old. Think about Some of you have an 11-year-old child, and you're thinking to yourself, there's no way. And it got out of hand quickly. By the time I was 16 years old, I, I had a, a scare that I was HIV positive. Had to, had to go an entire week thinking that I, that I might be until I could talk to somebody to find out for sure that I wasn't. By the time I was 16 years old, I had somebody who would, I had my own vehicle, I had my own job, and I had my own salesman, whoever, whoever, whenever I wanted, he would, he would sell me whatever alcohol I needed. That's a mixture for something bad. I made a lot of mistakes, I said a lot of things, I did a lot of things, and then I walked into this church brokenhearted. It was right after I left football, and then I tried to go to OSU Mansfield, made it a half a quarter. Again, I'm not good at math, so I don't know. I think that's an eighth, but I'm not 100% on that. (laughs) And I hope that when I say I'm not 100%, I'm using the right percentage, because again, horrible at math. (laughs) And I walk into this church, and I hear that there's a God who loves me even though I've fallen flat on my face so many times. There's a God who has a purpose and a plan for my life. And all that he wants is, is to just allow me to let him in and begin to work in me and make me a new creation. Guys, things were so rough that I, I thought that sounded like a great idea. And the greatest move I ever made in my life was to raise my hand in the middle of an altar call. And somebody, somebody shared the last week 
they shared on their social media that their hand was in the air at altar call before they even realized what was going on. And that was me. But I knew if I didn't raise my hand and I didn't go down to the altar that I knew that I would never get that opportunity again. There were times I woke up mere feet. I remember one time I didn't wake up hungover. I woke up still drunk and I woke up mere feet from a semi and swerved just in time. Worship team, go ahead and make your way up. And I knew that if I didn't go then, that it would just get worse and worse and worse until something happened that took my life. And so finally I went, and God revolutionized my life. There was a man by the name of Ross Wiseman. Many of you know him. He prayed with me. I gave my life to the Lord. And I'm talking the change was both instantaneous and progressive. I, I walked into my job at Crane Plumbing, and I quit. Dude was so used to people quitting on him in the middle of the shift, he just said, see you later, man. He didn't even like chase me out. He's like, peace, and went back to a sandwich. He didn't care. He gets quit on like every day. Why? Because it was hot. It was real hot. Walked into there. I was like, this isn't a good environment for me. I'm done. Had a, had a couple girls I was seeing. Cut that off. And my brother told me, and he's like, you need, whenever the, the, the doors of the church are open, you need to be there. And so I started going to church. And day in and day out, God just began to make me into this new creation. Amen. That's my story. We're about, to, we're about to baptize 20 people, 20 plus people, who also have been raised to life in Christ. In fact, Amen. go ahead and make your way up here. You go ahead and make your way up here and get ready to go. If you're getting baptized today, go ahead and make your way up. And uh, Big Chatty, do you mind taking this for me? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. How awesome is this? I want to invite Reverend L and uh, Wes and Jenna's already up here. We're going to get ready to do this. So that's my story. But these guys are about to make a public proclamation that they too have a story. That they too have been raised to life in Christ Jesus. That they used to live one way and now God has done something completely different. Brittany, go ahead and make your way up here. And we're going to, we're going to start with Brittany's story. I want you to watch this. And then we're going to baptize some amazing people. And they're going to make a public proclamation. Check this out. Hi, my name is Brittany Lalaika, and I'm a recovering addict. I uh, started my addiction at 18 or 19, um, doing prescription drugs with my friends. Um, it wasn't every day, it was just recreationally, until it was every day. And um, I had to do more and more to stay well, so I wasn't sick, and I was doing it by myself. And um, eventually I moved to heroin, um, and I think that's when my whole life spiraled. Um, I lost so many things during that time. I lost myself. I lost my sanity. Um, my family didn't want to be around me anymore. I didn't want to be around myself. <laughs> um, I lost my job and my car. Um, it was, <laughs> it was rough. And, um, 
I think it was the third time that I was in jail for that year. And I was, again, laying on the jail floor, withdrawing and sick. And when I got out, I was bailed out and I was released. And I decided that I wasn't doing this anymore. I had no hope. I wasn't going to get better. I wasn't going to be sober. I, I wasn't going to do it. Um, so I wanted to overdose. And that's, I, I did enough. Um, I bought enough to kill three people. There, there was no coming back. I had decided um, I was done. I wrote letters to my parents. I wrote letters to my daughter. She was four or five at the time. I wrote letters to my sister. Um, and I did it, and I knew that there was no coming back, but I did. I woke up, and uh, I woke up hearing, you're worth more than this to me. You're worth more than this to me, until I was finally able to get up. And I get up, and I immediately start making appointments, and I start getting into outpatient therapy and counseling and group counseling and uh, doctor's appointments. Um, one of the first things that they do is draw blood. Um, and I was sick at the time. I was withdrawing. I was in detox. I hadn't, I haven't used in over 24 hours. So I was pretty sick at the time. My body was aching. Um, and this nurse couldn't find a vein. Um, and she goes and gets her nurse friend. And it's just a God thing that the nurse happened to be this one nurse. Um, and she didn't greet me. She didn't say hi to me. She started praying over me. And I was so angry and so full of hate at the time that I told her that she could lose her job for doing this. And she said, I would rather help save your soul than to keep this job anyway. And I think that's when everything changed for me. I just... I started doing all the things. I started attending church and I started doing all my counselings. I never missed one. I started journaling and doing all the things that I was supposed to be doing. And I started seeking after God and he started chasing me and I would run from him and he would chase me. And I just kept reading my Bible and I kept worshiping and I kept praying and I kept coming to church. And so now it's been, that was nine years of my life nine years of my life to addiction and so now I've been sober for five years and my life is totally different I mean God brought me here to fusion and I serve at this church <laughs> and I met my husband my loving husband he's wonderful and I have two girls and I visit my family and I've worked on my relationships and I've rebuilt my life and that's why I'm getting baptized today. And if God can do this in my life, he can do it in your life. We're just going to start baptizing people. So you can pray where you're at. You can stand and worship. Worship team, go ahead. Let's, let's baptize our friends.
I hope you're not tired of this because we got a couple more people that want to get baptized, a few more kids. So go ahead and bring them up, and here's what we're going to do. I'm just going to say this to you. What you just saw was people publicly proclaiming they've been raised to life in Christ. Some of you have already made that proclamation. You've already told the world. You've already told Jesus. You've already been baptized, but some of you haven't. And it's scriptural that we see that there are people in the Bible that give their life to the Lord one second, and the next minute they're being baptized. So we want to invite you to do the same. Maybe you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Today's the day. You had your idea of who he was supposed to be in your life, but he is so much more than you can ever comprehend. Come on up, kids. And so if you're here today and you want to get baptized and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, yeah, people are looking around. People have their eyes open. I just want to know that you're here. We have extra clothes. You can take the extra clothes or you can go home wet. However you want to do it. I'd much rather go home wet and obedient than, than completely dry with regret. So if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to pray for you from right here. But if you want to get baptized, and maybe you've been wanting to do that for a while, we want to call you up here. So if you're here today and you've never accepted Christ, would you just, and you're ready to do that, would you just put your hand in the air and let me know that you're there? Come on, it's time to get raised to life. Is there anybody here? I can't see a darn thing right here. Okay. All right. Um, can I get Missy? Can you surround her for me, please? Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody here that maybe you're, you're ready to make that plunge, the literal plunge into water? I want to, we want to do that too. Anybody else? Okay. Here's what we're going to do. Lori, you guys pray over her. I trust you guys to do that. If she wants to get baptized, we'll do it today. If she wants to wait, that's fine too. We're going to play a little bit more. Pastor Dan's going to baptize a couple children, and then, we're, uh, and then we'll let you go eat your ham. Okay? Man, it's already been a great morning. Go ahead, worship team. Go ahead. Thank you, Father.
We got one more. She's getting a shirt and then she's going to come get baptized. If anybody else wants baptized, make your way up here. We'll do it now. Thank you, Lord. Yep.
awesome is that, huh? Listen, I got to let you guys go. But I will stay here and baptize people until we run out of water. And we'll refill it and do it again. So if you're here and you want to get baptized, I'm going to pray and let everybody go. But if you need it, it's right here. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and it was burning within you, but you were also just kind of struggling to put your hand in the air, you want to talk to, to one of us, I'm here. Pastor Dan's here. Wes, Reverend L, any of our elders, any of our people on the prayer team, we can pray with you. Man, what a morning. Isn't it good to be raised to life? Hallelujah. Father, in the name that is above every name, that mighty name of Jesus, that causes the sick to be healed, that causes the dead to be raised, that causes those with stories of heartache and pain to be raised to life. I pray that you bless my friends today. And I pray that wherever we go, whatever we do, while we eat our, our Easter dinner, while we give our children their baskets, and while we, while we run around chasing eggs, whatever it is that we do today, help us to keep in the forefront of our mind that the most important thing is that Jesus was raised to life. And because Jesus was raised to life, I get to be raised to life. We love you. And we praise you. Bless my friends today in Jesus' mighty name. God bless you guys. Have a great Easter.